You are listening to Living for the Cinema with Jeff Gershon. I am a cinema enthusiast of all genres, here to discuss with you one film every episode. The good, the bad, and the ugly of what makes each film unique. And just as a warning, these films might be in theaters now, or they may be from 10, 20, 30 years ago. But regardless, there's a strong possibility that I will be revealing spoilers. I might give away the plot or the ending in this review, so just be warned. Today, our episode is on a movie that is still in theaters, so it came out in 2021, although technically it was supposed to come out in 2020. And that movie is Godzilla vs. Kong. It is directed by Adam Wingard. It stars Rebecca Hall, Millie Bobby Brown, Alexander Skarsgård, Brian Tyree Henry, Damien Bashir, several other actors of note, and of course, the giant lizard and the giant gorilla. Godzilla. The genre would be considered monster action epic. One thing of note for this film is that this was probably the first film I saw in theaters in probably almost a year. So it was kind of a unique experience for me recently. And I have to say, I really enjoyed it. They don't happen that often, but you know them when you see them. And what I'm talking about are stupid movies. Stupid movies which are great, not despite their stupidity, but because they embrace their stupidity. And to qualify as a, quote, great stupid movie, you need the following. Here's some key things you need. A simple plot which can be explained in one sentence. Good actors who know the movie they're in. Zero pretension. At least a half dozen great moments. No bad scenes. And of course, very important here, a runtime that goes less than two hours. You can't have a three-hour epic stupid movie. It doesn't work. So among my personal entries in this group are Roadhouse. Do you enjoy pain? Pain don't hurt. Days of Thunder. Speed, Too Fast, Too Furious, yes, the sequel, Top Secret, Passenger 57, Commando, and Valley Girl. Well, it's time now to add a new one because this was a gloriously stupid fun time. Godzilla vs. Kong, of course. No doubt I was probably a bit biased because it had been well over six months since I last saw a movie in a theater, and only the second time in a year. We've all been had that situation lately. And seeing this on the big screen in Dolby among a semi-packed audience certainly helped the viewing experience of this movie. Timing can be everything, of course. But if there was ever a movie that was made to be seen on the big screen, it was director Adam Wingard bringing us the epic tale of a giant lizard facing off against a giant gorilla. It also happens to be the first film of Wingard's that I saw on the big screen, but I genuinely loved two other films that he had done recently. Those two films are Your Next and The Guest. Both were much smaller films, but what all three of these films have in common are a few different things. Well-staged set pieces, fun, self-aware performances from the leads, and seriously, after seeing The Guest, I was buying serious Dan Stevens stock. He was awesome in that movie. Efficient storytelling, and of course, an 80s throwback style that's usually punctuated with a synth-heavy score. 
You know how to make a fireball. Cinnamon schnapps and Tabasco sauce. That's my drink of choice. Godzilla vs. Kong has all of the above, although it's undoubtedly sillier than the other two. Given the concept of the story, though, that still kind of works for me. Probably the actor with the most heavy lifting to do in this film, and there is some heavy lifting, is Rebecca Hall. She kind of plays a Kong whisperer who is given a load, a load of goofy-ass dialogue along the lines of, you've heard it now, Kong bows to no one. Kong bows to no one. There can't be two alpha titans. But she sells lines like that with true aplomb, and if you think what she's doing is easy, then I would just direct you to either of the recent Jurassic movies to see how well Chris Pratt or Bryce Dallas Howard fare with similar dialogue, for evidence of the contrary. Short version, it's not easy. Damien Bashir is also fun to watch, chewing up the scenery as the corporate villain, as is Brian Tyree Henry, as the quirky, intrepid reporter, I'm sorry, podcaster, because this is 2021, who's on the trail of the conspiracy, which is causing Godzilla to suddenly attack the same humans that he had just defended in previous movies. Speaking of which, you don't need to see the previous three films in this particular franchise to get a handle on this one, even though I have. Wingard, along with writers Eric Pearson and Max Berenstein, they keep it simple and they keep it straightforward with the exposition to set the plot in motion. Simple. Godzilla has attacked a corporate headquarters developing some questionable technology, and only one other remaining Titan, quote Titan, Kong, might be able to lead us to the source of his power to help stop him. And of course, Titans usually draw each other out, so Godzilla might be on his tail. Done. That's it. Honestly, there are so many consequential events in this story, which are just yada yada Seriously, who knew that it took less logistics and red tape for a private organization to simply release an oversized apex predator into public waters than, say, for a civilian to just rent a boat? Basically, you either go with it or you don't. The filmmakers know what you're here for, and they're just not wasting time. Because the real draw of this movie is watching our titular monsters and heroes face off, right? Yep. And this film does not disappoint, with pretty much three extended fight sequences between them, which are not only awe-inspiring to watch, but also revel a bit in the ongoing frustration and sheer exhaustion that both the giant lizard and the giant gorilla must be experiencing during all this. You feel the exhaustion. Whether the actual physics of some of the things that transpire completely hold up is questionable. Could a naval destroyer actually sustain the weight of Kong using it as a stepping stone? You got me. But you feel the force of every hit and stumble. You feel the weight of these two creatures going at it. The visual effects and the sound design deliver this in spades. And there's an adventure sequence also, right in the middle, involving Kong that kind of caught me off guard, not only with its inclusion, but just in how elegantly goofy it was, how well it was conceived. There's some jaw-dropping scenery that's shown, which almost rivals the vistas we saw from Pandora in Avatar. Just really a lovely detour for the story that doesn't even actually end up being a detour, really. The whole movie is much more Kong's story, and that's fine by me, as he has always been the more relatable character. Godzilla is kind of the heel in this match, and that suits the lizard well, too. 
Now, will this film have the legs of a speed, which decades later I could still rewatch anytime? It's obviously too soon to tell. But I could tell you, it's on HBO Max right now. I've seen it a few times over the past month. And I'll be revisiting it on small screens again soon enough. I would still recommend, of course, to still see it on the big screen if you can. These titans demand it. Now, that brings us to our categories. The categories of best needle drop. Basically, the best song cue or the best piece of music score that's used throughout the runtime of the film. And if I had to pick one for this movie, there's not a lot of choices, but I would say there's nice use of the 60s classic Over the Mountain, Across the Sea by Bobby Vinton. It opens the film and it reintroduces us to Kong just kicking back on his island. Or is he? Over the mountain, across the sea, there's a girl. She's waiting for me. Next category or award, and that would be Wasted Talent. The Wasted Talent Award basically means the most underutilized talent or person involved with the film. And as much as I enjoy this film, it's a big film, and there are probably quite a few um, competitors for this category. But if I had to pick one, it would be Kyle Chandler. Yes, Kyle Chandler. Do you know he was in this movie? Because it's... Really hard to notice. You blink and he's gone. He literally has two or three very short scenes in this movie, and he's really just there to lecture his daughter, played by Millie Bobby Brown, and then worry about her. It's unfortunate because he actually had a much bigger role in the much weaker predecessor to this film, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. Not his fault, but Kyle Chandler is severely underused. And that brings us to the next category, trailer moment. This is the scene or moment that best describes this movie. If you love this movie, if you hate it, doesn't matter. This is the moment that sells it. And really, trailer moments for this movie, I mean, because we've all seen that trailer. The trailer was great as it was. But take your pick. There are probably about a dozen juicy trailer moments in this film. If I had to pick one, which particular fight between our title categories, it might be the middle bout, where it is actually stated at the end, and this is in Hong Kong, Kong won this round. That's the trailer moment. Now, the MVP. This would be the person or people most responsible for the success of this film. And it has to be only one person. And that is Wingard. Adam Wingard. He's done something pretty impressive. He has taken that often challenging transition from small scale to big budget and has proven that he has the potential to be a pure genre master on the level of a Cameron or Carpenter. Now, look, it's early, mind you. And from what I hear about Death Note, that was the film he did for Netflix a few years ago, he's certainly not batting a thousand. But Wingard is still someone to watch. It's still a kick to see a hot up-and-coming director who can deliver top-quality B-movies with A-level talent. We even saw early on with guys like Michael Bay, J.J. Abrams, that they were just way too enamored with recycling tropes and beats. But Wingard really seems like a true original, and that's pretty exciting. If I had to rate this film, I would rate it four stars out of five. And... It is playing on HBO Max as far as I know streaming, but if you can, I would highly recommend that you see it in theaters. And on that note, stay tuned and join us next time for another review from Living for the Cinema. 